Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. power of responsive COVID-19 treatments. Now, in March of 2020, the world hoped and prayed for solutions and treatments for COVID-19 infections. Physicians and researchers looked far and wide for drugs and remedies to reduce the morbidity and mortality of COVID-19. Quickly, there were physical measures to reduce transmission, but no treatment specifically that were tailored to the virus. When a vaccine became available, the world rejoiced. Now, we still face morbidity and mortality from COVID-19, but scientists have made another step in resolving this issue, the creation of a COVID-19 drug that is used after an infection occurs. The drugs are molnupiravir and Paxlovid, created respectively by Merck and Pfizer, and they reduce symptoms and death in patients who are infected with the virus. The format of the medications, pills that are taken over the course of several days, are easy to administer and can be prescribed in an outpatient setting, thus reducing the strain on hospitals. The relatively rapid invention of the COVID-19 treatments, a class of antivirals, would not have been possible without decades of previous research on how to create antiviral drugs to treat HIV. To date, this is the most effective, affordable, and accessible treatment for COVID-19. Pharmaceutical companies are aware of the extreme benefits the drugs can provide sick patients. For this reason, about a month ago, Merck announced that they will let the drug be manufactured and sold in 105 poor countries around the world. And more recently, Pfizer announced a similar deal that will allow poor countries to produce and sell the drug cheaply. This deal includes 95 countries and in some contain half of the world's population. Manufacturers will be able to sell the drug royalty-free and will receive the formula for the drug. Both the deals left out some hard-hit countries that could benefit from cheap medication, most notably Brazil. Brazil is currently suffering from heavy caseloads and a population that relies heavily on public health system for their health care. Once the drug is approved but manufactured generically, access will improve dramatically. But some advocates for health equity believe that this deal is not enough and more should be done to help countries around the world to treat COVID-19 patients. Different pollutants as they relate to gender outcomes. Now, have you ever thought of what could influence the gender results of pregnancy? Well, researchers have found factors that may influence birth ratios, but it isn't something anyone would want to willingly expose themselves to. Different pollutants are starting to correlate with different outcomes in baby genders. There is yet to be a full causal understanding of why this happens, but research has identified macroscope trends in populations and birth ratios following different types of exposures. Wow. A study that included one half of the United States population and the entire population of Sweden analyzed 100 different pollutants and factors that could determine changes in gender outcome. For example, 
The study found that mercury, chromium, and aluminum pollutants were correlated with the birth of boys, while exposure to lead pollution led to increases in girl births. Measures of deprivation that include proximity to fast food restaurants, vacant buildings, and high stress causing events led to significant changes in the sex ratio. These changes can lead to up to a 3% shift in the birth ratio. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? The researchers examined birth ratios after two national large-scale traumatic events, Hurricane Katrina in 2005 and the Virginia Tech shootings in 2007. The only findings related to birth ratios were an increase in girls 34 weeks after the Virginia Tech shootings. Researchers determined that they should analyze birth ratios in populations more closely impacted by traumatic events and the changes in birth ratios rather than the whole group. Some factors unaccounted for were babies that were stillborn and the fact that the study only included people in the U.S. with private insurance, therefore not a complete picture in the U.S. population. Yet another example of unforeseen changes that pollutants can lead to and Mm -hmm. uh, really, really fascinating. I mean, it makes sense because it makes sense. It it really does make sense. But it's just it's not something that you think about. Right. Like like affecting birth ratios like that is not something that pops into people's minds when you think about pollutants. It's crazy. Not at all. Yeah. The AMA's new goal, writing injustices. So the American Medical Association, a group of physicians and medical students focused on promoting the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health, has set an optimal health for all as a key long-term goal for the organization. The organization believes they have to tackle the inequities that currently exist in our healthcare system in order to truly achieve their mission. And to address this issue, they've implemented six theories of change. Each theory has a strong foundation and includes pillars of public health efforts to resolve systemic inequities. Theory number one is right past injustices. This involves recognizing past injustices and finding ways to resolve and correct previous issues. The AMA began this process in 2008 by formally apologizing to the National Medical Association, a group of Black physicians that formed in response to the AMA's previous support of state medical segregationist policies. This is a key step in creating change in inequity in healthcare. It's crucial to admit past injustices and find ways to resolve them. The second theory is counter-malignant healthcare narratives. This theory of change focuses on malignant narratives that have plagued the healthcare system for a very, very long time. Rather than following narratives that blame patients for their outcomes and diseases, they want the dominant narrative to account for political and social determinants of health. The third theory is center marginalized voices seek to engage and empower voices of marginalized physician groups like women, LGBT, people with disabilities, and international medical graduates, centering and empowering their opinions and respecting their expertise in a variety of situations is the key goal moving forward. The next theory of change is adopt anti-racist intersectional approach. The AMA will apply an intersectional approach that addresses racial inequities in healthcare education, criminal justice, housing, and employment. This approach aims to address how these overlapping inequities can create an advantage for some while harming others. Act upstream is the AMA's fifth theory of change. Upstream structural and social drivers of health account for 80% of an individual's health. 
The other 20% of an individual health comes from resources focused on the healthcare system. Upstream is focused not only on prevention, but resolving inequities that lead to healthcare issues. These issues are the results of structural, systemic, and political inequities. And rather than treating morbidity as a result of those issues, upstream is focused on preventing these issues in total. In other words, if a plant is dumping toxic waste in a river, rather than treating the damaged ecosystem downstream, upstreamists would focus on preventing dumping in the river in the first place. And the AMA's sixth and final theory of change is implement inside-outside strategy. This means the organization will focus both internally on creating equity and creating equity in their external solutions as well. The AMA knows they cannot fight inequity externally. They must seek to resolve it internally as well. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D R D E R Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your health care providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>